This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got Ruto and AJ coming to you live on a Tuesday uh, some some NHL news to talk about. I also want to talk about the future of the NHL. Before we get into all of that, obviously, some news on our end here at DNVR. If you've been on Twitter, X, I don't know what to call it anymore. Dude, just call it Twitter. Uh, done. I will call it Twitter. Uh, you've probably seen, but Jesse Montano, our, our co-host, is moving on, going uh, going forward with his career elsewhere. And Yeah, I mean... Wish nothing but the best for the guy. AJ, I know you've been doing it with him a lot longer than I have, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we're sad uh, that Jesse uh, has decided to, um, you know, continue his career elsewhere. But, uh, you know, everybody everybody has to make choices, you know, and do, do what's best for themselves. And, um, you know, and it, it's funny over the last, uh, I guess, year, um, you know, Evan got opportunity over at Colorado Hockey now, and um, we're, you know, something's coming for Jesse next, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that's a real, that's a real smart and talented dude. So, no doubt he's uh, he's got plans on uh, where his fit is in the industry moving forward. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he does, and um, you know, it's a uh, Anytime there's a situation like this, you know, where somebody moves on, there's always the whispers in the wind of like, you know, like <laughs> what's going on. And honestly, it's this couldn't be like any less of a dramatic exit that I have maybe ever had from a full time employee. Yeah. Um, just it's just very like, you know, he just felt like it was time and. um. You know, we're we're very thankful for the couple of years that we got after he came back, and obviously, I've known Jesse a long time now, and um, you know, he's a he's a great dude, and community loves him. He's very very easy to like, and uh, you know, that's a that's a quality human being, and I think that's more than anything else, that's the hardest thing to lose uh, off your team is uh, when good people you know, move on and, and go in a different direction with their lives. And that, um, I think that's the hardest part of, of it is that, you know, that's, uh, that's one less friend that I get to see when I come into work every day. And, you know, our beat is uh pretty tight knit yep. and, um, you know, we, um, we're certainly going to miss him and obviously we wish him all the best. And there's, um, you know, there's, it's just, it's just all love, man. I mean, it's, yeah, we were we were certainly bummed, but you know it's that's life. Yeah, I mean, I when Jesse and I were talking about it, you know, we were we were kind of getting nostalgic talking about how this all started, and um, you know, <laughs> uh, I said, you know, he was he was he was talking about how it was it was sad to to be at the end of it, and you know, I was like, look, everything everything in life ends, nothing. 
nothing sustains. And um, sometimes, you know, most most things I, I would say in life get taken from us. And I would say that uh, if you can end some of the good things on your own terms and have them be positive, um, those are wins for everybody yeah. involved. So um, I'm, uh, I love the guy and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him around the rink and we'll see, you know, as, as for what's next for our beat and avalanche coverage, we don't know yet. So we uh, we're still figuring that out. We've got time. It's August, uh, but yeah, no. All we want to send Jesse all the well wishes and and all the love in the world as he uh, he does what he's gonna do. And I'm a little sad Megan can't be on our show today uh, to uh, give her to, to say her man. piece. But you know, maybe you know, maybe she can do it on Monday if she wants to. She's welcome to. Again, just echoing what you said. Nothing but the best for the guy. Going to miss him on the team for sure. Um, yeah. I'm sure he'll go do great work somewhere else. But also, we'll still be here five days a week doing what we do. So on that front, yep. nothing's going to change. <laughs> you and I aren't going anywhere. <laughs> We're too stupid and stubborn to stop doing this. So, <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, I wouldn't say that you and I aren't ambitious, but like you may not find two people. <laughs> like just happier with their general yep. station in life than the two yep. of us. Yep. So you guys are stuck with us is what, is what we're saying. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Got to live with it. Uh, all right, let's, let's jump into some actual hockey news here. Tom Wilson signs a seven year, six and a half million dollar AAV deal with Washington. Tom Wilson did what? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be 38. At the end of that contract. <laughs> I missed this this morning. Yeah. Washington is doing things. I don't understand this contract at all. Uh, he has one 50 point season. Not that he hasn't put up some good rate stats, but his availability has been terrible. Not just for suspensions, but with injury too. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I am kind of shocked. <laughs> uh, okay. I was there a was there a rush to do this? Nice. I mean, yeah, I know I he know. was going into the last year of his deal, but to give him a raise. I mean, he is coming off of a season in which he was pretty hurt. Yeah, he played, what, 33 games, I think? Yeah, and this is an odd one to me, um, but yeah, this is, that's <laughs> fucking it's shocking weird. to me. Um. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. I mean, I'll I'll tell you what, man. Um, I feel a whole lot better about Val Nichushkin's contract now compared to that thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, and they they would be comparable. Comparable, they not? For sure, absolutely are. It... Uh, you know, they've with uh, I guess Landy's probably would be too. 
Yeah. And you have to feel you have to feel like you probably got uh, Colorado got the much better players in those deals between Landy and Nachushkin. Yeah, um, it, it's not obviously with the Landy one, to be honest. No, yeah, I mean, there's a reason Landy got seven and this dude got six, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, six, six, five is still like Chris Kreider got that. Yep. And I, like, I'm, if it, if like that was the number to make him stay, I could get it if it was like a three or four year deal. But you're paying him until he's 38, man. I mean, even if it was a, I mean, it wouldn't, I'm this, 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 uh, missing this news, this, you kind of just dropped this bomb on me and I'm <laughs> trying to process it in real time. I'm yeah, that. And, it, and like, I get it. Like Washington's in this weird spot where they're kind of just stuck in now. Ah, we got to try as long as Obi's around. Right. But. Yeah. And I, I think another thing that we've learned is that, um, over the course of the last two or three years, we've seen more teams become more and more comfortable. Just we need to get out of this deal. So we're just going to dump him for future considerations. Like more teams are comfortable just giving guys away just to get rid of money. And there's always going to be a team out there, you know, for the last, de- I was going to say decade, but it's really like five or so years. Uh, it's been it's been Arizona, yeah. But there's always somebody out there that's willing to just take on that money, and so I think I don't worry too much about the value in terms of that. Um, but in, in you know, when if he gets hurt, obviously you LTIR it, and yeah. everybody moves on. But it's it is kind of just a just a strange approach to feel like. I guess I just don't know what Washington is doing. Yep. I know I know that they had so many injury issues last year. And I know that there were a lot of conversations about them trying to get out from Kuznetsov's deal. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Kuz, Kuznetsov only, only has two years left on it. And everybody's favorite argument of, oh, well, the cap is going up. But... I mean, Ovechkin's 37, Backstrom is 35, Oshie yeah. is 36. Uh, and then defensively, you know, they just gave new deals to uh, Van Riemsdyk and Nick Jensen, guys yeah. that are in their 30s, and John Carlson's also already 33. Yep. So you're looking at them and you're like, it's not even like a going for it at this point. It's like, you're just decided to get hold. Yeah, they do. Like I said, they kind of feel stuck in a lot of ways and it's not necessarily about them being able to get out from under contract in, in Tom's Wilson's case. It's what does it prevent them from doing down the line while he's still on the team? And the other question I had about this, and it's an impossible question to answer, but I saw this is one of the reasons that Tom Wilson was given this contract mentioned a lot on Twitter. How, what is the value of intangibles? How, like how much can you pay for that? Yeah. Cause look, Tom Wilson has one fifty point season in his career. Yeah. The metrics wise, this contract just does not add up. Yeah. I know his underlings are not 
great. The analytics on him aren't very good. Um, yep. And you say, you know, oh, he's only got, you know, the one 50-point season, but he's got three 20-goal years. And uh, last year, 13 goals in 33 games. He was on pace for it. And uh, the uh, 48 or the 56-game season, he would have also been on pace for a 20-goal season had there been a full year. So the guy scores goals. And as we've seen in this league, goals get you paid. They just do. And especially a guy that brings such a consistent physical presence as him. There are very, very few players in the NHL whose physicality can be a major selling point and a game-changing aspect. Yeah. And Tom Wilson is one of those guys. So, I, I mean, from from that respect, he's a hard guy to contractually value. Sure. But 20-goal seasons, um, by all accounts, beloved by the organization and his teammates. Yep. Um, and which is where your intangible conversation comes in. Uh, and, you know has history with the core that again that I just went through those guys that they've got a bunch of dudes getting older that they've locked up for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So um, you know, I I the Tom Wilson thing is interesting because he's kind of a throwback in in terms of play style, which is kind of a nice segue into our show topic of the day of the evolution of the NHL because yep. we've seen we've seen Less and less of the really physical power forward archetype over the years. Teams keep trying it. I mean, this most recent draft class, remember on draft night, we had the entire power forward conversation. It was like 10 of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, like six of the guys drafted in the first round. You're like, well, he's a power forward. <laughs> um, so teams are still obsessed with the archetype. They're just very hard to find because the ability to play with the pace that this league is played at now yep. With yep. the skill level that it's played at now, you can't just have, you know, there's there's a reason that Milan Lucic's career just went. You can't just and strength your way to the net and expect to score anymore. Ex- exactly. You need to be able to play with some pace uh, and you, you can't just kind of lug yourself around the ice like that anymore and throw a big hit two seconds after a guy gets rid of the puck. Yeah. And and I think that's where, you know, Tom Wilson is one of the few guys in the league that that can do those things. You know, he's a he's a legitimate, uh, you know, kind of a terror in terms of yeah. the physical presence and steps uh, over and, the and line at times, but he does. And uh, they, they just live with that, though. Yeah, totally. but the the but he scores he scores 20 goals a year and he's yeah. he's kind of a unique profile in the NHL. So there is value there, but. Uh, yeah, the 6.5 is, uh, it definitely feels like uh, a lot of money, man. Especially when you look at recent contracts given out to those to, to similar players. It really does, uh, you know, you compare that contract, and the number one guy that comes up is Chris, it's Chris Kreider. Yeah, he, just have a casual 50-goal season to live up to that real quick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean... Chris Chris Kreider has an entire career full of 30, 40 20, goal seasons. Yeah. 20, I mean, certainly 20 goal seasons. Yeah. Obviously, the 52 uh, and 36 little... that he has the last two years are like pretty substantial outliers for his career, but he's also like a, 
meat and potatoes, get to the net, you know, do whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this was this was signed with him not even having that kind of season. Uh, but he was still. I can't hear you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Continue. You cut out for a second, and I'm assuming there was a glitch. But Oh, um, yeah, no, just that uh, Chris Kreider was the more accomplished guy when he signed his deal. Yeah. And it's weird that Tom Wilson got a similar contract. I mean, Val Nachushkin is now being paid less. Yep, which is you know, wild. Andre Andre Palat, like uh, Andre Palat, may not have the physical presence, but uh, you know he's he's been a pretty big for for sure a big time postseason well, player. You're talking about a 20 goal guy. I mean, is that not the expectation from Ross Colton? It is. So. I look, I get it's not a one to one apples comparison. You're not talking about a guy who's been there for a long time, doesn't have the intangibles, doesn't have the yeah. physicality like you mentioned, but you're expecting 20 goals out of Ross Colton for four million. And you're expecting 20 goals out of Tom Williams for six and a half million. That's two and a half million dollars of value that he's got to find there. Well, and and the physicality is certainly a big selling part point of it, as well for, sure. for both for both players, though. But with Ross yeah. Colton, the abs are the abs are putting Ross Colton at center, and that is a major difference between them. Is that Tom Wilson is a, he's a hard wing. He's not he's not a center. Not, not at all. Close to a center. Yeah. He's very line mate dependent in that way because he's just you know not he's just not going to do a lot of creating for uh, sure. So it's it's pretty. I think it's too rich, but also we've seen teams yeah. value their own guys in certain ways, and he is a unique profile. And it's easier than ever to get out of bad money in the NHL. Well, and and look, the Capitals are also in a place, like I get they're in a weird place of building stuck with Ovechkin and these aging guys, but also they're five years removed from a Stanley Cup, so it's still maybe very much like these are our guys and they're going to get paid because they did the thing for for an organization that won their first Stanley cup five years ago. So do you think, uh, you think Evgeny Kuznetsov replaces Ryan Johansson in two years? No. Yeah. Me neither. (laughs) I was just curious. Uh, if they want to retain half and give them away at this deadline, we could have a conversation, but I don't think he's going to be that cheap. So, Bit of a tough yeah. fit, I think, for Colorado. Given they already committed to to Rijo, they have Ross Colton as a three C. Yeah, I mean, like I said, in two years, you know, like when it, when Kuznetsov's deal is done, has he learned to play defense in those two years? Because <laughs> I think no. that's kind of what the Avs want is a center that can play some defense. But well, then why did they go get Rijo? Because Ryan O'Reilly wanted to sign in Nashville for four years. Yeah, it's because they, they, he had Rijo's job. Yeah, exactly. It was all planned <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. I mean, we'll see how it goes with Rijo. 
Uh, I do want to get into that conversation of the evolution of hockey, but first we are brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery, award-winning whiskey from the highest distillery in the country. If you guys haven't been, you got to go check it out. Their whiskey's won awards like 10 years in a row. It's actually ridiculous. Like, I don't even know why anyone else shows up to try and win against their American bourbon whiskey. Uh, they're just the best stuff out there. They also have award-winning gin too, so... You got to give them a try, even if whiskey's not your thing. They have alcohol for everyone if you haven't checked them out yet. Uh, they're the official whiskey of the Broncos, I believe. Let me let me double check. It is Broncos? All right. Kale knows what's up. Oh, oh, perfect. Yeah. Sold right there. So go check them out if you have not uh, yet. Breckenridge Distillery makes amazing, amazing stuff. Uh Obviously, we've been partnered with them for uh, a little bit now. They've been around since 2008. If you want to shop, they are available in all 50 states, so it's not like a Colorado thing. You can check your local alcohol retailer or go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of their award-winning Breckenridge spirits. Also brought to you by the folks over at Shady Rays. You can go check them out at ShadyRays.com. Use code DNVR when you order and you get two pairs of sunglasses or more. You get 50% off your entire order. They have amazing sunglasses, dozens of different styles, uh, ranging from what I call the Deion Sanders primetime styles to my like 80s wrestler styles and everything in between. So you can't go wrong. They've got something even for the skiers and snowboarders. They sell goggles. So whatever it is, they have you covered. Uh, again, check them out at shadyrays.com. Use the DNVR code, or if you're local here to Colorado, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, Rudo and AJ. You know, part of part of this conversation was this year's draft that kind of spurred it on in my mind. And I don't know if this is necessarily an evolution, but maybe more. Are we seeing the pendulum swing too far into the Everyone can be a small star. Everyone, it doesn't matter what size you are. If you're skilled enough, you can make it. Will we start to see that swing back to the middle of, hey, at a certain point, these guys do become too small. And if we just get big guys that run them over, we win. I don't think it's gone too far because you are seeing teams taking more chances on guys that are like 5'7 and 5'8 in the draft than ever before. Sure. And you have some really intriguing uh, prospects that have been drafted in the last couple of years that are very small. Obviously, Cole Caulfield was a freak when he was drafted. He's a freak now. Yeah. Um, but you're, you know, you think about a guy like a, a Logan Stankoven or a Lane Hudson. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking you're talking about like some some smaller guys. Um, yep. And and guys that are among the best prospects in the NHL. And you are seeing more guys getting drafted in the first round, uh, or really the first two rounds, that are that are tiny. Yeah. And so I I I think the league is I, I think the league is in a place where teams are more accepting of taking that chance on that development. But also you're not looking at it and saying, well, the league is just suddenly gonna be full of you know, everybody's going to have three small stars in their yeah. forward core. Not quite that like, far, yeah. Exa- exactly. Like, it's still... um, It's... it's The league is giving it a shot, yeah. but I wouldn't say it's gone too far. I would say it's been 
long overdue that the that. that the Eric and Bransons of the world stop getting drafted in the top five. You know, <clears throat> that the, the guys... talent should be the biggest selling point of a player. Yeah, and I mean, you you do still see those guys getting. You do still see the the low lower skill like big bruising physical defensemen being drafted in the first round every year. You but know, they're you happening had a, a little bit later. Yeah, who was who is the guy who uh, Arizona drafted that had the uh, his parents made out on live TV and everybody thought it was hilarious. Maverick Lamoureux. Yeah, Lamoureux. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Two, I guess two years ago. Yeah, sorry. Um, but like, you still you still see you know, um, Sam Sam Renzel is another example of. Hey, we're just gonna take we're just gonna take a really big guy and hope he can learn how to play hockey along the way. I mean, it's um, it's the reality of the benefit of size, right? Like, there's never going to be a reason to take a smaller player if it's not hockey ability. Y- yeah, and because if you are talking about it, you know, it's one of the old adages is that you can't teach size. Yep, and you know, you just if if. If every single thing was was equal, you'd but rather have guy, a guy that's yeah, yeah, just better. You'd rather have a guy that's six three than a guy that's five nine. Of course yep. you would. You know, if if Sam Gerard, if Sam Gerard <laughs> was six one and one hundred and ninety five pounds, he'd be an all star. You know, you, you add in add in the extra strength that he would obviously get with it. Yeah. Like he he would be a legit top pairing defenseman. Yep. So, you know, like that it's it's a big it can make a big difference in players and because the league is still full of guys who are 6 foot 2 and you know whatever it is, you know, it is it is a thing that you have to keep in mind when you're building a roster about oh, this is you know, we're we're getting a little too easy to play against. You know, we yeah. talked about this in with Colorado's lineup yeah. last year. Yep. With you know when you had when you had Alex Newhook and you have Dennis Malgin, uh, and and Ben Myers making up, you know, substantial portion Those, of your lineup in a in a other, game seven. Other people's third lines are getting easy shifts against you at that point. Right, and you know obviously skill plays, but when you're talking about as physical a game as hockey is, there's a reason that we have physicality. There's a reason that 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 it's valued the way that it is in the NHL. Because it could be a big difference maker because things like wearing players out, you know, things like the the mental impact of uh, having to go in and, you know, we see this with Nikita Zadorov a lot. Players like to dump the puck in against him. Yep. One, because he's not he, he's not been great in his career uh, on retrievals. So they but, know that they can, you know, force him into a decision. But also if they try and carry it in, he might kill them. <laughs> So they make business decisions and mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's something to be said for that. There are there. It's, it's a smart approach to have for, for teams to build around size and, uh, and, and keep it in mind because if you could have four Cole Caulfields, you would, you probably would not be super successful in the playoffs. Probably not. And, but I... having one or two of them, man, it can be, lineup a huge different make difference maker for sure and I, I think you kind of scratch the surface of this but at times i think people conflate 
the concept of size in the NHL getting smaller with the concept of pace and how quick the game is getting uh, these days. Because the game's never been faster. Skating has never been more important than it is right now in the NHL. And I think a lot of what you're talking about here with an Eric Goodbranson, with some of these guys with size, it's not that their size is a problem. It's that they're just too slow to keep up in the modern NHL. Mm -hmm. And look, obviously not everyone can be a freak of nature, but there will be, and there already are guys that are big and have the ability to skate. Take a Miko Rantanen as a perfect example of someone who can fit into both of those boxes. So, well, and we saw in this draft class, yeah. if you're, if you're in, let's just spitball here. And let's say if you're in Colorado's division and you're trying to figure out how to handle Miko Rantanen and you're looking for a franchise defenseman and you have the sixth overall pick, you're trying yeah. to figure out what am I going to do with the swift skating team that is dominating our division uh, and isn't going anywhere. Well, Let's let's Gotta go and get up. a guy. Yeah. Let's go and get a guy that is a wonderful skater and has wonderful size, and we'll just try and teach him all the hockey stuff in between. And that's how Dmitry Simashev gets drafted the way that he does. Yep. And that was that's that's why you saw a guy like Dmitry Simashev's uh, uh, the drafts draft value shoot up the way that it did. Yep. It's it's why you saw Tanner Molendyke go in the first round. Are these guys traditional? Like, like old school throwback defensemen? No, they're the kinds of defensemen that you're looking for to handle this game, this version of the NHL, the very transition based, the very high speed, you know, high skill game that the NHL has become. You need defensemen that can do that, that that can defend in transition, that can skate, that can that can get back. I mean, and. I I think that was one of the things that you saw in this year's draft play out was those defensemen are being prioritized a little bit yeah. differently. Not not to the size level necessarily, not that he's small, but are these just echoes of the new NHL that Kale McCarr has created on that defensive side? Because the story is kind of similar with Kale. Obviously, his draft, mm -hmm. you're dealing with the junior A kids a little bit different, but a kid that rose on draft boards because they're like, look, this kid has crazy talent and can absolutely skate the wheels off of everybody. It, it yeah, just, abso it absolutely, like man. He's the, the prototype basically. Let me, let me ask you this. If Quinn Hughes was in next year's draft class, does he make it to seventh overall? He's going top five, right? Like, <laughs> Not even close. Yep. Does Arizona take Barrett Hayton over him? I mean, maybe. I don't trust no. Arizona. <laughs> no. You're right. You're because right. you're ta you're talking and and you you know we're talking about Dmitry Semishev. Look at who was first overall pick uh, by the Sabers. Owen Power. Yeah. Does he have Does he have any like singular like great amazing offensive or defensive skill? Not really, but he's really big and he's really mobile. Yep. And he is quite skilled, but like the combination of all of that is why he's first overall. And not, you know, if he was six foot tall, is he still first overall? No. Yeah. The size matters, of course. 
Um, so that's I think that's how uh, that's I think we've seen how that has evolved in the last half decade. And obviously we're an avalanche pod, so we're happy to credit Kale McCarr for it. But <laughs> Kale McCarr, um, Quinn, Quinn Hughes, yeah. Adam Fox, Rasmus Dahlin. These are these are all guys that that have changed and, and reshaped how teams are building their defense. Miro Haskinen. Yeah. Are you know they're they're all guys that are that are having a major impact on what teams are valuing uh, when they when they look to build their defenses. Do you need a Josh Manson? Of course. We talk about it all the time that Colorado needs to be careful. Can't get too seedy. Yep. There's a reason that we've talked about Guliyev after being drafted as being a Sam Gerard replacement and not a Sam Gerard D partner. Yeah. Because you because put two of if, those guys together and they get run over. It's just you put those you put those guys together. You put Kale McCarr on the same defense with them, yep. and you're like, well, you know, like what do you, you know, you kind of do need a bru a more bruising and and some physical elements of it. Now, I mean, obviously McCarr does have that, but um, you do need the Josh Mansons of the world. But I think. What's what's become very fascinating to watch over the last few years is that it has gotten so much harder to find the next Josh Manson than the next Sam Gerrard. It's and yeah, ten I would years agree. ago, I think that was the reverse because teams were pouring all of their resources into finding the next Josh Mansons, and Sam Gerrard was you know like the same as Tyson Berry, the same as John Michael Lyles. The same yeah. as Sandus Ozelinch, you know, they were the, the well, every days. team needs a, every team needs like the one guy that can quarterback your power play. You know, not everybody had a Rob Blake or a Ray Bork that could just do everything for you, but they needed that one guy where you were like, well, this guy is not very great defensively. So, uh, he can, he can score the crap out of the puck and he runs our power play. So we need that guy on the back end. We need one of them. It's... And now you're looking at defenses that have two, three, four of these guys where, their skill level is their number one trait. It's it's interesting. There's like a lot of things I want to dive into there. Uh, one, obviously those those bigger defensemen in that style partly have been slowly edged out because of the advances of the NHL and the way things have gone over the last two lockouts that the league has had. They've pushed for more skill. They've pushed for faster gameplay. And you've seen the yeah. clutch and grab era kind of die off and you can't, you can still be a big defenseman. You can still do physical things, but you can't just grab dudes and stop them from going to the net anymore. The way you used to be able to, uh, which unless you're Will Borgen, well, <laughs> not say people don't do it, but they call it more often. How about that? Uh, yeah, it, there's two sides of this one. I want to get into, where the NHL is headed with these next, what's the next step and how they're advancing. But before we do that, I, you kind of spurred this thought in me of, have we already experienced the death of the slap shot from the blue line? Like who's Shea Weber is the last guy who really truly had a great slap shot from the blue line. Now you still have one timers from the circles and things like that in the league, but you mentioned Ray Bork and the dude was, arguably the greatest blue line shooter of all time. Rob Blake obviously has a huge shot. Uh, 
is is there someone in the league that really has that bomb from the point? Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure there is, man. Um, honestly, I I just can't off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, you know, pick him out of a hat, sure. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I I think I think that that kind of that like that slap shot that what you're talking about the non one timer slap shot yeah, from yeah from the blue line is kind of where uh, fighting said, is oh it's actually bad <laughs> yeah because the expected goals on it is really low it is uh, now obviously shooting is better than not shooting so teams are still happy to do it but when you talk about say a team like the Carolina Hurricanes and why yeah. do they struggle as much as they do uh, and and look at how they build their their defense out. You know Brady Shea, Brent Burns, now Tony D'Angelo's added to that group. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a lot of guys that they want to feed pucks to, and they've run their offense through their defense without having the elite forwards up front. And I think that's probably the number one flaw in their their grandmaster plan. It, but I agree. The chat mentioning Evan Bouchard here, what makes guys like Evan Bouchard so effective offensively is that they're getting in from the blue line. These shots are coming from the circles. They're coming from deeper into the zone. Yes, Bouchard's got a great shot, but you just I I can't think of someone that really blasts it from the blue line anymore. Yeah, I you know, I it's funny. Now I feel bad because Ryan Pulak has a freaking missile. There you go. Like that guy, that guy can bomb them doesn't do it a lot but whew. so i i remember but that was like the thing i like fell in love with it during his draft year uh and watching it with the islanders it's like every time he unleashes it i'm like yeah so maybe more something that there just isn't room systemically in the nhl for as much as something that players don't do anymore i don't know if it's a yeah i mean it might be it's it's kind of like both of them right like it's 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 I mean, a, they go hand in hand, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's a thing that you you know that analytically they're not as valued, so they're less valuable in that way. Uh, so they there's going to be more emphasis on hey, don't do this. You know, one timers are always good because you they're they're a little bit different and they involve movement, yeah. which is a big thing because if it's if you just walk in and take a slap shot like you're maybe you score maybe you don't but you don't <laughs> see a lot of it anymore um like there's a reason you don't have very many guys go in and take slap shots and shootouts right like it's true it's just not it's 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 harder it's you get yeah you get more power behind it but it's harder to control accuracy wise and uh the the impact of it yeah you just don't score on very many of them and so I I think that the the emphasis on analytics and understanding you know there's there's this rise of the the expected goals uh, and the 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 shot data and the shot tracking that's going on certainly privately um, yeah. is is changing how teams value where 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 you're shooting from whereas when the whole analytics movement started it was just shoot baby. And which wasn't like revolutionary. It was just, hey, we're going to talk about this. And then now it's a lot more of where you're shooting from. So I think that that's I think that that's helped devalue it a little bit, which, again, plays into the evolution of how defensemen are valued and scouted and prioritized because uh, guys with great vision, guys with great wrist shots, guys who can 
who can locate a puck versus, you know, like a big one. Like yeah. Kale McCarr is a 20 goal guy. And it's not because he's got this big bomb from the point. It's because he can pick a spot. And, and when Gabe Landeskog was still healthy, he had so many tipped goals because Kale McCarr could pick a spot and Gabe Landeskog could go in and get a stick on it. And it was just, it was, it was like this sweet, harmonious I, song. I would argue not just be able to pick a spot, but either being able to recognize the opening in the ice or create an opening in the ice. Kale, Kale McCarr is one of the best shooting lane creators in the NHL. Uh, obviously, everyone loves his shimmies at the blue line, but he understands when and where to walk into open space. And that's why he's a 20 goal scorer is because he's shooting from inside the circles while other guys are shooting from beyond them. Yeah, it it matters a lot. And I, I do think that is a really good point to bring up in that. It, more than ever, teams have understood, even if you're not a believer in analytics, meat and potatoes hockey, get to the front of the net, see what happens, right? Turns out you I, score a lot more in the front of the net than anywhere else. I don't I don't understand at this point how you can not be some level of believer in analytics when. Yeah. All it is, all it is, is just data from what happens in the game, informing you and giving you a more, more precise idea of what has actually happened. Yep, I'm with you. I, I, you know, we're very into analytics, but there are still some people that aren't for whatever reasons, and I think you can still make a valid argument even without analytics for doing things like getting closer to the net. Uh, anyway. We are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. You can go get your delicious burritos at 11 different locations in Colorado. They also have a fantastic happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m. every single day, which you got to go check out. Uh, you can get tacos and beer like you see in the picture right there. Or, you know, their famous margaritas, which everyone absolutely loves. So go check them out. Again, there's one location just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar, but 11 across Colorado. So if you're local, there's one near you. Get a delicious burrito. Enjoy yourself at Illegal Pete's. And then go get yourself some sports merchandise, licensed apparel, bobbleheads, you name it, from FOCO.com. When you head over to FOCO.com and use code DNVR, you get 10% off your order and free shipping. So be sure to jump on that with the DNVR code. Whatever team you fancy. It doesn't even have to be a Colorado team. If you like some other random team across the country, I don't know. Maybe even if you're a Red Wings fan, you could use it. I I don't really want to talk about Red Wings fans, though, so I'm going to move on with my life. Uh, FOCO has all the sports apparel you need, even if you want, like, Crocs, something like that. They've got you covered with Avalanche Crocs, Nuggets Crocs, Broncos Crocs, you name it. They've got all sorts of stuff. Go check them out. Look at the bobbleheads. They're dope. FOCO.com. Use the DNVR code. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. AJ, I'm going to give you an open-ended question. And then we're going to have a conversation that I think certainly at the office we've had before. First, what do you think is the next significant evolution of the NHL? Um, I, I, I think the, it's hard, it's hard to say because, well, I mean, obviously predicting the future is generally pretty <laughs> difficult. Um, but I think it's it's hard to say because I think we're still in the midst of the last one. I agree. I, we're still in the middle of the small star revolution. And so we don't know what the next step of it will be. 
where, you know, there's more smaller players than ever, you know, do they five years from now, do NHL teams go, okay, these small guys are good and they're skilled and they can play, but they're getting hurt all the time. Yeah. Where's the, where do you draw the line with? Yeah. And so, Hey, we need, we need, uh, we need more durability. So we're, we're going to reshift our focus back to how we used to do things with, we're going to look for guys who are no shorter than five foot 10 and, uh, you know, stocky builds, maybe less skilled naturally, but that's what we're after. So I, I, I'm like, maybe that's where we are, man, because I, I don't know where the next evolution is. One thing that has happened in every sport is that technology gets better. Training yep. gets better. Yep. The sports continue to get faster and faster and more and more skilled. What we think of as high skill today could be a goddamn joke in 20 years. Yep. I'd... You know, when I'm so... when I'm sitting at a retirement home being ignored by my family when I'm 65 and, and demanding that they put hockey on whatever device I'm using to watch hockey at that could point, be unrecognizable. The, game, yeah. the game could be unrecognizable the way that the game is unrecognizable. When we go back and watch games from the eighties and are like, everybody sucks. I, I, this, that could happen. I do think at a certain point you do start to hit diminishing returns as humanity in general starts to push the human limit of what's like physically possible. But, Yes, that could happen. I I think there are a couple other sides of this. One, yeah, we do have more technology. Brecton kind of getting at it in the chat. Could we see a referee revolution? Not in a complete change of the rules or anything like that, but electronic systems put in place that call penalties more consistently. And it, some people won't like that. There are, there are things about that that people will be very annoyed by. But if you have a system put in place that calls the same penalties the same way every single time, it's something that players will adapt to at some point, but it may change how the game is directly played because of how those penalties get called. Um, is that on the immediate horizon? I seriously doubt it, but maybe it's an option. And then the other thing that I wanted to get into. Look, obviously all abs fans, I think are extremely familiar with concussions and concussion protocols, given the number of players that they've had to deal with significant issues of that bone Byron, Connor Timmons, Joey Hishin, Jesse Winchester, the list goes on. Uh, Kale McCarr last year. We're starting to see younger leagues remove hitting entirely. The women's leagues already essentially have limited to no contact. Is is a reduction in the physicality the future of the NHL? I think both you and I probably are against this generally when it comes to clean hits and things like that. But is is the future inevitably a, a reduction in some of that in the NHL? I don't know if it's a reduction of that rather than it is an increase in the quality of helmets that get used. Okay. Because we've seen football grapple with this problem as well, uh, where 
the technology of football helmets has come a long, a way. long way. Yeah. Uh, obviously, from the let's put a piece of leather on top of my head, that <laughs> wasn't great. Uh, like, what's the point, guys? But um, even in the just the, just in our lifetimes, that yeah. that technology has come so far, and you know the added the added with the with the visors mm-hmm. uh, being you know being required. Uh, I I do think that increasing increasing the quality of the equipment is probably the next step there versus a league that sells itself as a a physical league being willing to just be like well open ice hits are now no longer a thing yeah, they're already I, I pretty really dramatically reduced but to go that far yeah so i don't think uh i i guess i just have a hard time seeing uh, there being much of an appetite for those kinds of changes versus uh, what feels a lot more realistic of uh, it being it being more about the equipment and making uh, you know doing a better job protecting the players just in terms of what they wear. I think that's a fair argument. Uh, certainly with the helmets, especially uh, there will be improvements there. I I, I do wonder, you know. People have talked for years about allowing the bear hug rule when it comes to people up against the walls to prevent things like boardings and stuff like that. Uh, I do think somewhere down the line, we may see some reduction in things like that, but not necessarily that isn't necessarily reduced in physicality. It's just how it's executed. I suppose that's the difference. Yeah. Um, one one area where I do think there is going to be a revolution, it's going to be a viewership revolution. Uh, I think that yeah, what we're seeing in Arizona, coming, right? Like it not just not just streaming, but the whole TV rights deal thing. Sure, sure. I think I think as TV continues to kind of exist on shaky ground, uh, and as companies like Apple and Amazon that have cash reserves for yeah six, sixty-five lifetimes. <laughs> Uh, uh, keep trying to keep trying to get into live sports. You know, even YouTube, yeah. all trying to get into into live the the live sports space, knowing that it's in, incredibly lucrative. Uh, the the continued infringement upon that, I think, will be a revolution of sorts. It's a good call. Uh, and and also just the 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 lack of blackouts. The oh, please, uh, please, because I think I think the lack of blackouts. Um, will 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 lead to a rise in streaming that's a genuine game changer like great call yeah yeah so i think that i think we're on the precipice of a viewership revolution already i i think wasn't even a topic i had on my mind today but i think you're exactly right that is very likely the next big thing in and not just the nhl but in all sports to be honest with you Uh, you know what again I i bring up what happened in Arizona um, yep. because they just said, we're good. Yep. And uh, the, you know, fans, fan, Diamondbacks fans can buy MLB TV for their own team. Even if they live in the market now and, and watch all the watch games it. on MLB TV. Yep. And cause I, I would buy MLB TV every single year to watch Rockies oh, games. Absolutely. But because I live in Denver. Yep. You can't, I mean, it's blacked it's, out. Look, when I'm in Studio C, it's great. But <laughs> when when I'm in when I'm in Denver, you know, 
I pirate that shit. Yes. And so, so does everybody else. Yeah, because I don't. I am not going to pay for cable. So, um, it's I. You know, I I think it's a. Uh, I think it, you're right in that it is a game changer because the big argument about television rights and certainly the altitude uh, Comcast yeah. carrier dispute is driven around, oh, well, my mom and dad who don't know how to do this just want to sit down and turn it on. Well, if all they have to do is sit down and open it, open, turn on their TV, they've certainly learned how to use apps by now. You right. know, everything is a, everything is a smart TV now. So all you have to do is just go hit the MLB thing, or the in this case it would be the NHL app, and then you just pick your you know you you well, pick your team and you watch the game and you're and, done. And for people that are a little bit less internet digital savvy, right? They're a generally intelligent thing to do is to avoid questionable websites if you don't know what you're doing, and that's yeah, how you, totally. you have to do. You have to be able to navigate that right now to do things like watch avalanche hockey in Colorado. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's very hard for casual fans to be willing to put in that amount of effort. And I, I say this as often as I can. Casual fans are how you grow sports. Casual fans turn into hardcore fans when they start watching more and they, they enjoy it and they decide a team and they fall in love with a player and all of this. And if you're not bringing in casual fans, if your sport isn't easy to access, the only person you're hurting is yourself. So maybe there it is. That's what the NHL needs to do better. Allow access to their game with better streaming, remove blackouts, things like that. Maybe that's the next revolution. I think, I mean, I do think you and I would agree the game is great. Oh, it's amazing. I on any given night we can sit down and fire up multiple bangers. Yeah. Whatever whatever game I would like to pick and watch. And there's a better than 50% chance that I'm going to watch a very entertaining hockey game. Yep. The game is in a great place right now. It can get better. It's not perfect. Um there are plenty of frustrations, but just sitting and watching an NHL game right now. It's a good time. Obviously, I'm biased here, but I have a wonderful time with it. I think the sport has evolved in a very entertaining way, and I'm very thankful for that. Maybe the biggest thing that you we can do next, and you're right about this, is just open up the doors. Yep. Make it the easiest sport to access. Yep. And, you know... Let the let the people find your game. Exactly right. I think that's a good place to start wrapping things up. So we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. For summer, it's got to be the Mountain Beach Sour. Go check one out for yourself. Absolutely delicious. Of course, they have dozens of other flavors. They have a beer for everyone if you like beer. So go check them out. Available in all 50 states. You can use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com to find it near you. Uh, and if you're local, we got eight different kinds down here at the DNBR bar to uh, come get on tap. Uh, yeah. Beyond that, we got uh, TDSP coming this afternoon, talking some what ifs, including some avalanche ones over the last five years. So I'm sure you guys can think of a couple there that we'll be talking about. Uh, August 18th, if you're local, we're doing a live show down at the bar. You can come say hi, do a little meet and greet with Megan and I, who will be there for that show. So. Yeah, come say hello. 
Uh, it's been an enjoyable show. AJ, anything else you want to add to this one? It's Friday. Yeah, I know. I, I was so off. I called it Tuesday at the start of the show and it's a Friday. So at least that's a win well, for me. So, uh, during the summer, I did this last week, but fun fact Friday. Oh God. Here uh, we go. I, uh, I like, I like to, uh, I like to, I really like learning things. And so every week, my goal this summer has been to, uh, try to try to add one thing to the arsenal of useless information in my brain that I find interesting. <laughs> and this, this week it was that astronauts grow taller in space. I guess that makes sense. Cause the lack of gravity. Yeah. I just thought, Oh, hmm. I'd never thought about it. Yeah. That's so cool. It's the, the perfect fun know. fact. This is reading rainbow with AJ. <laughs> I mean, I've got some book recommendations if people want them. <laughs> I'm sure they can DM you about it. Uh, they can. There you go. can always hit us up on Twitter. Use our personal accounts. We don't reply to the DMs on the DNVR Avalanche account very much. Uh, yeah. If you're trying to contact us, personal accounts are better. But give us follows. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. That always helps us out a ton. Uh, if you don't like the video format, we are available in podcasts as well on Spotify, Apple Music, all the other weird ones that I always forget the names of. Uh, anyway, we're going to get out of here for the day. We appreciate all of y'all a ton. We will be back on Monday. I don't know. It's, it's the middle of August at this point, so who knows what we'll be talking about on Monday. But we'll be here, and we will see you on the next one.